Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable. We are so glad to have you join us on today's podcast. But before we jump in, we have a special announcement. The CLIMB Conference is coming up at the start of 2022. And this conference is designed for pastors and their teams to come be a part of this. It is going to be January 27th through 29th. It is a time for your team to get poured into and to grow in their leadership. So you don't want to miss it. Go to climbconference.com and get your whole team here. Don't miss the early bird pricing. Now to today's episode. Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable, a podcast with Dr. Conway Edwards and we have the gift uh, many times to have special guests from around the country here. So we want to thank you for joining in. We want to encourage you. Go to our webpage, visit1cc.com slash leadership roundtable. There you're going to be able to see all of our previous podcasts and also download an outline and some show notes so that you can work through this with your team. Again, we want to thank you for joining us. We're so grateful. And today, a guest has come into Texas from Philadelphia his name is Dr. Pastor Eric Mason from Epiphany Fellowship. Welcome to Texas, man. Glad to be with you, Pastor Matt. Um, and you've been in Texas before. Yeah, I lived here for a while, I guess. <laughs> something like that, something like that. But yeah, so I, I get to mosey on down here a few times a year every now and then. So. And we're so grateful that you're here. And, yeah. you know, you have a book that's recently come out, Urban Apologetics. And we just wanted to kind of dive in for the leaders listening there's there's a lot going on in today's culture yeah. that I think, and what I'm learning from you, a lot of us aren't ready for it. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of things that are going to try to take us away from Jesus and mm -hmm. from Christ. Mm -hmm. And just wanted to kind of hear your heart for the leader listening. What's going on and how do they need to be aware and start preparing for that? Well, first off, thanks for having me. Great time here. So I would say that there's a lot of faith deconstructing going on mm -hmm. by all young people that are Christians. Yeah. Um, uh, I hear Asian Christians like Koreans because mm -hmm. uh, their culture is so different. The honor shame culture, the honor the parents culture, and then them getting away deconstructing their culture. White kids are deconstructing their faith. Deconstructing, if they grew up in the youth group, mega church, they're kind of deconstructing their faith as they go to college, get out of the workforce, build friendships, and just operate with different worldviews mm -hmm. that they've never come across and African Americans of course black and brown and particularly African Americans are working through a lot of faith deconstruction as well mm -hmm. and so we talk about faith deconstruction um, usually most of us are on a level either uh, theologically and pract uh, practically indoctrinated or culturally indoctrinated mm -hmm. now in church sometimes there's I'm around the faith so I kind of know and I just kind of believe I'm a Christian but I'm not really right. if you really pin me down on the faith I don't know it then you got people that are really solid in the faith so what happens is is because of the climate, particularly like the racial climate we're going on or where you stand on the past presidencies or whatever, um, <clears throat> different people are feeling away about what's going on. And so you have some African-Americans, and this is nothing new, where they began saying Christianity is the white man's religion. Right. Um, so they see pictures of white Jesus everywhere, everybody in history is white, and you know they're looking back at slavery, all these different things, and they're saying well, Christianity is the white man's religion. And so for a young person that's really not been exposed to um, African spirituality mm -hmm. or or see the effects of dignity destruction of African Americans in the Malu and uh, centuries of our country, what ends up happening is they're kind of like blown away and thrown off. And so they begin asking their faith questions. So they begin asking themselves, um, was Jesus created at Nicaea? 
Like they said, is Christianity was Christianity created in Europe? And then they start asking these things. Then people say, see, that was created to keep you from getting to understand who you really are. And so now you got that big deconstruction. And so most of what we wrote the book on, the, the subtitle is Restoring Black Dignity with the Gospel. Mm-hmm. Talking about if you want to understand your identity, um, you understand it when you're in Christ mm-hmm. and you understand your identity in Christ, but you also have to understand that Christ made you in the particular ethnicity the or tribe and tongue, if you want to use right. that language. He made you the particular tribe and tongue, and he cares about that. And he created that. And so he wants to, he doesn't want to get rid of that. He just wants it under his lordship. Mm-hmm. And so that's the big deal with it, you know. Wow. But setting aside Christ as Lord in your heart and then making a reason for the hope that's within you. First Peter 3.15, yeah. Wow. I, and I heard you talk about, um, I've heard you talk about how Christianity really is a world religion. Absolutely. And, and I don't even, you might want to share it just briefly on how it's a world religion, even some of the history with some of the early church fathers and where they come from that many people don't even know. Yeah, so, it's a, I mean, have you been to the Bible Museum? Yes. So they had an exhibit in there, and it was stuff I was finding out. So, um, of course, uh, Christianity went, of course, throughout Turkey and the Middle East, Greece, but it, but it, it for the first thousand years after the death of Christ, the seat of really first six, seven hundred years, the seat of theological influence, and most of the theologians came from North Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, but the gospel also went to India based on oral tradition. I have a book, I have a set of books that I bought that are a thousand years old, wow. and um, and it was written by a converted Muslim post the Crusades who became a Christian, and he wrote the oral tradition of Christianity. And and uh, uh, wrote the history of the the papacy in uh, Egypt, the Egyptian, the Coptic papacy rather. And you know, you 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 see that Thomas went to India. That's where that whole thing comes from. And then when you go to the Bible Museum, I don't know if that exhibit's still up, talking about the uh, the, the, the the way the gospel came to, to China. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you begin to see just the stretches of the gospel how it went to Europe. And so, really, you know, when we talk about every tribe, nation, tongue, Revelation seven. When we look at, you know, uh, Isaiah, where it talks about the nations are to come to the Lord. Uh, God says in Psalm 46, I'll be exalted among the heathens. You have the Great Commission saying, uh, go the year therefore and make disciples of all ethnos. You know, and so it's a global religion. But we have, because of the fall, the enemy wants to use some of our challenges that we're dealing with as a way to pull different groups in different ways. But particularly in this situation we're talking about, African-Americans of away from believing that um, Christianity is a divine faith, right. not a man-made faith. Wow. Yeah, That's big, and um, I, I've, I've been learning on that. I got to take a trip to D.C. A couple, uh, about a year and a half ago yeah. and saw a lot of that in the Bible Museum and just how it's a world religion. Uh, but I, this, this could re- this, I know this could be a two-hour conversation, yeah. but I want to ask you if you could just touch on some of the false teachings and beliefs that's going after today's generation specifically African-American and others, what are some of the things that are trying to draw us away from Christianity? Well, see, that's, a good, that's an interesting question because there are things that, that are being said that's true mm-hmm. that's being used for false means. Does that make sense? Yes. So one of the things that you, this is one big one, right? And this is everybody. This is not black people. This is everybody. Everybody views Christianity as the thing that's caused the most damage in the Western world, mm-hmm. whether it's 
whether no matter where you kind of stand, they believe you know the whole idea of being more partnered with mm-hmm. more governmental entities, right. stuff like that. Um, whether they're talking about slavery, whether they're talking about different eras in history where Christianity's name was attached to certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think because of that, because there's truth to the fact that people have used the name of Christ in ways that weren't of Christ. Yeah. However, they were viewed as the spokespeople. And so now every different far left and alternative community is utilizing the narrative of Christianity to basically say Christianity isn't a viable mechanism for my sanity, for my health, for my mental mental health is a big thing now. Yeah. And um and and if and if you believe in spirituality, my spiritual health. And so that like leaders have to be very one one of the mistakes a leader can make is not exegeting the culture that they're leading in. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> excuse me. If you're not exegeting the culture that you're leading in, what'll begin happening is you'll you'll apply trying to get leadership development and engagement or whatever you're trying to do mm-hmm. done in a context where you're a little you're a little sociologically and spiritually toned down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um. Are there are there any specific other false teachings that that people need to dig into to be aware of that the common 50, 40, 50 year plus guy has no idea about? Yeah, so when I look at the one that we just talked about, that's a strand for everything. Oh, I got you. Okay. So so that's the strand for well, if Christianity isn't real, if it's just a a a, a mechanism for control. Then therefore, let's deconstruct the whole doggone thing now. Now, let's talk about gender. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about sexuality. Okay. Now let's see. Now, now once you, because 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 remember, <clears throat> even though this is not a Christian country, there are aspects of law from the scriptures that were applied to how America was structured. So what they will say is, well, they were influenced by the Judeo-Christian faith. Right. Now, let's go back and amend some of those ways because we knew that this was a man-made religion. Mm-hmm. And so now we begin to redefine the family now. Mm-hmm. Now we can redefine the family now, and now we can redefine it and say, hey, we do believe in family. We just don't believe in, we just don't believe in reducing family to the nuclear family. Mm-hmm. And so and from there, we don't believe in gender. Now we believe in uh, 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 you know, gender assignment. So mm-hmm. male and female is now uh, viewed as... Uh, 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 abusive or uh, dismissive of other categories of gender. And so all of those different ways in which, like, once you pull that out of there, because we were called to be just like Israel. Israel was called in Exodus 19, 6 to be priests to the world and a light to the nations. So they were supposed to utilize walking with God as a way to display how a nation properly functions mm-hmm. in order that other nations would be influenced by them and function just like them. Mm-hmm. So what ended up happening was Israel failed, and they fell apart. And because of that failing and falling apart, what ended up happening later is Jesus had to come and fix all that. And so, um, so, so he had to die on the cross, get up from the grave to become the true Israel. Right. And in becoming the true Israel, he will come together and gather all people of all times who know him into one people of God. And so, but until then, that's and so that's why that's a funnel to all of those different things. Because once you begin pulling some systemic bedrocks of what we viewed as, hey, marriage is between a man and a woman. Hey, you know, but Christianity is when you start all those different things breaking down, then we have a pro- we we have the problem of what we need to engage as leaders. So, 
And going back to some of the things that we were talking about, you know, about the book about restoring black dignity with the gospel, I think, um, you know, we, we, we have ethnic tone deafness that's going on. And so that's why we need to develop dialogues because everything <clears throat> from churches that are multi-ethnic churches or organizations that are looking to be, and I know this word according to who you use it for, you know, it's, you know, it's like, see, there we go, inclusive, right. you know, but inclusive, not in grading on the curve, but just saying, hey, you know, being diverse is about hiring qualified people from all ethnicities, right. not saying only qualified people come from a ethnicity. So w when leaders are leading and they're thinking through these things and in, be able to engage and be relevant, whether it's with your products or with your ministry, that's a huge thing in our society today. So, yeah. So dialogue is huge. Understanding the culture and the context. What what other thing when you start seeing this going on or see it in in groups you have at your church or where you're yeah. at, what are the things you do to try to combat all this deconstruction? I invite doubt. Okay, you got to talk about that. I love it. Invite doubt. One of the things that the church has done a poor job at is inviting doubt. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> when someone doubt, oh God is just you know throwing a like you know a verse or you know throwing like a um like like just some cliche at it yeah. and it's like no doubt is not to be denied it's to be engaged mm -hmm. so when someone doubts they say well well Jesus Christ is Caesar Borgia which is this thing from back in the day and they say it really was a painting of this guy's son and his gay lover mm -hmm. it's like huh and so what do you say to that and so you say well let's go back and let's look at that and you ask them now where is this at what country was this in mm -hmm. okay now notice that there's documents that say Jesus existed before this particular era during the medieval period. And you begin to see, when you invite doubt, you go down the trail believing that God's got you. And as you go down that particular trail of dealing with doubt, <clears throat> you know, my big thing in the black community is we got 1.4 to 5 million African Americans and Caribbeans who believe that they are the original Israelites, mm -hmm. right? That's a whole nother thing, which opens right. up to a whole nother realm of skepticism like even it applies to even the virus right because like even now like people are like see this is this is tuskegee experiment all over again mm -hmm. and see black people they they send a they send the actual vaccine to white communities and then they send other syringes to white black community then they bring out these obscure articles and then mm -hmm. but then you're like and i don't care where you are on the corona thing just as long as you're being safe so i'm not here to advocate right. for anything i'm just saying you know, I mean, we have a vaccine for a reason, and the reason why we have a vaccine because it was a pandemic. We had to come up with it really, really quickly, or everybody would die off because we wouldn't sit our butts in the house and wait till it died off, like a virus <laughs> is supposed to die off, so that the people who already have it, it can run its course, and then the virus no longer exists, and then we can move on with our life. But because we're hard-headed knuckleheads, we didn't do it, and so therefore, we had to up the virus, make it quicker so that we could survive. Anyway, whole another story. But um, so, <laughs> so, so, but when you have those different when you have like those different things that I was talking about, it, all those things end up in different webs. So when you have that conspiracy, it's, it's more, I mean, you have white conspiracy theorists in this generation, Gen Z and, uh, and, and millennials. You have Asian uh, 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 um, theorists. And it just all, and it, it, what's interesting is this generation is experiencing a deeper level of change that people can't say that happened in my generation. Remember, you can say, man, we did that when we were kids. Right. No, listen. The access they have to the world now, we never had. I mean, yeah. you had six TV stations. <laughs> two of them were blurry. And a legit knob. And you had you had the newspaper, and you had the magazines. Uh -huh. 
do. They got I me. Mean, so the the way information travels and the way the frequency of information can hit the midbrain, the heart, and the soul is just different. And so leaders have to know, listen, this is so important, who your people's pastors actually are. All right. Okay. Some pastors think they stand up on Sunday and think they're their people's pastors. Uh-huh. Talk about that. Cause that. Listen, listen, but for some people, the breakfast club is their pastors. Uh-huh. Charlemagne the God and Angela Yee and... You know, uh, DJ Envy, you know, they're watching these podcasts. And so information and mentorship has been decentralized. Right. And so that's why a relationship is really the only capital you have to be heard. Because nowadays people get, people got to build a bear life. You know, I go in and I can, I mean, this phone, I can, my phone, anyway, I, my apps, I can, I, not only can I download an app, not only can I download all this stuff on my phone, but I can go into my settings and set up how I want to use it that best fits right, me. Right. But this generation, that's how they're applying church. Mm-hmm. What best fits me. And so that even impacts, yeah. hey, is this pastor preaching on race? Hey, is this pastor preaching on CR, preaching against CRT? Mm-hmm. Hey, is this pastor preaching on female dignity? Is he honoring women? Yeah. Um, what does the leadership structure look like? Are they Like now, people didn't use, that didn't used to be a thing. Now people feel, feel like, you sh- you should be there. You should build options for the way they want the world to be in the spaces that they choose to be in. All right. So <laughs> there's a lot of ways we can go with that. Um, you <laughs> talked about <laughs> who are your people's pastors. So for the pastor leader, it used to be because you got up and preached, you were their pastor. Mm-hmm. So define or visited them or christened them, whatever that was. Yeah. yeah. So what does it mean? To be someone's pastor today, who has who has your heart, your minds, and your voice? Oh, it's yeah. as simple as that, you know. Um, because one of the things that see in Jesus' day, he said, and he looked out and he saw compassion on the people because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't a bunch of noise out there yeah. to affect his ability to at least have a shot at being heard by right. them. Now, the things you have to do to have a shot mm-hmm. at just being the voice. I mean, you got to understand, hundreds of memes. I mean, we're not even talking about, if me and you put out our phone right now mm-hmm. and we got push notifications on, We, I mean, everything is just throwing information. And so leaders, this is what we have to do. This is not hopeless. <clears throat> we have something different than everybody else has. The Holy Spirit. Come on. <laughs> see, <laughs> see, the thing that makes... Pastoral leaders different, men and women who are leading in ministry different, is the Holy Spirit is the way in which we can get attention. That's why he comes to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and comes to lead us into all truth. And so, so however, that doesn't mean we do nothing and say the Holy Spirit will tell them to come to me. We use all of the means. Remember we were talking about today in the message, the sons of this world are more wise according to their own kind than the sons of light. Christians shouldn't be, man, social, like getting up in the pulpit, always complaining about social media. Right. That's not good leadership. Good leadership is saying, you know, uh, I, uh, I use all things by all means to win some. Right. Guess what? We are going to hire a media director. We are going to do different things to give the spirit space to be able to speak to people. And so I think the church has to learn how to be a voice in culture. And that's really all the things. You brought up my book and all those yeah. different things. You have to utilize those mechanisms as a way to get God's voice into the culture. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because... 
my mind is blown right now that everyone else in the culture is vying. We don't look as them as the shepherds of people today, but they are shepherding they are our people. Shepherds. They're shepherding people, however you look at it, and the competition that didn't used to be there is now there. Mm-hmm. You, can go, you can go and watch a, a, a talk show. There's counseling on there. You turn on a podcast, they're talking about mental health. Mm-hmm. You turn on another podcast, they're talking about how to start a business. You talk about another one, they're talking about how to how to quit your... It's, there's this series now that Gen Zers are doing on YouTube where for why I left my $250,000 paying job to work for myself. Yep. I mean, it's, it's, it's so much stuff out there that's like, like the church. I'm not saying we necessarily <clears throat> do everything the world is doing to compete with the world. I just think that we have to be on the pulse of people's significance, dignity, and identity. You know, significance, what am I here for? Dignity, what's my value? Uh, 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 Identity, who am I? And helping people to answer those questions from the gospel, helping them to answer from a biblical and Christ-centered perspective, and being able to do that, and letting God, like, like, there's no reason for us to be hopeless because, you know, the parable of the soils, God, God prepares the heart. We throw the seeds. And we have, so we have just different work on our side, mm-hmm. but we have to do the work on our part to actually scatter the seeds and give them the best opportunity to impact the lives of people. And it, so- it sounds like um, that this apologetics, urban apologetics, is this is the battle that we're in. This yeah. is the spiritual yes. warfare we're in, yeah. and this is the call God's got to us. So how does that, how does that translate on top of what you've said that this is the new spiritual battle? Yeah, the new spiritual battle <clears throat> that we're going through is really cr- America becoming non-Christian. Mm-hmm. I mean, not just not culturally, not just not Christian. It's not even culturally Christian. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Like I remember in Texas when I first came to Texas <clears throat> twenty-seven years ago or twenty-six years ago, and pretty much everybody, if you talk to them about certain Christian ease, they'd be vaguely familiar. Today, what salvation? What is that? Get saved. Mm-hmm. Um, your, our our Christian ease now have been redefined by culture and sends off triggers to people. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, I, you know, I mean, listen. For some people, Christianity means spiritual abuse. Yeah. So the question is, when you're ministering, engaging people, what does your words mean when you say what you're saying to them? How do they receive it, and what you mean by that? So, for instance, one of the things that we've done is we've, um, every six months, because we're in a residential community and a college campus is by us, mm-hmm. everything is, I mean, it's, people, it's, it's like 100,000 people, I mean, literally. We're not even like, that's not facetious. So every, and it changes a lot because of transiency. And so every six months, you got to restudy the community. So we asked three questions. We asked, what are the, what are the, what are the uh, three greatest influences here? What are the three greatest needs? And what are what are what are what are ways that the church can engage in 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 helping with those three great needs? And so one of the things that um, we've tried to do is what Carl Ellis talks about in his book Free at Last um, about ministering to the core cultural concerns of people. Mm-hmm. And when you minister to the core cultural concerns of people, it gives you common ground for the gospel. And so when you get that common ground for the gospel, like it's basically Colossians four. That's all it is, and extravagant language, you know. For Colossians 4. And when you get common ground with people and people know you care, understand that you're not there to abuse them. You're not there to um, try to give them pre-conversion discipleship. Mm -hmm. 
Meaning mm-hmm. if you meaning if you have a person that's a sinner, they're yeah. a sinner. So you're not trying right. to talk to them about their sin to come out of it unless it puts somebody in danger. Talking to them about Jesus so they can get saved, and then we can talk about that in sanctification. And so a, a lot of and so a lot of times we need to really, really figure out and work with people. Just be patient, man. Christians need leaders need to learn patience. If you're just trying to write down, hey, we had two thousand professions of faith. If those days are over, like you have to be super patient, but you have to train people around you to be patient with people about their change, creating dialogue. But patience doesn't mean be a spiritual wimp either and never talk to them about Jesus. So it's a it's a it's striking a balance between the two. Patience and being okay and inviting doubt. Those are huge. You got it. You got to. You got to. Wow. I think uh, just for the leader listening in, I mean, if you don't get anything else out of this, those three questions you just said we need to ask. Mm -hmm. And I'm even, you said every six months. I think a lot of leaders would say, yeah, we we asked that five years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's the rate culture and communities changing. You have to. You have to. So what are those questions again? Roll through those. Yeah. What are the three greatest influences? Mm -hmm. What do you think influences? people in this community the most? That's a, you know how deep that question is? Um, and a lot of times when you hear the same thing, that's how you know you're on the right track when you mm-hmm. talk to different people. Well, what, are the th- what are the three greatest needs in this community? And what can the church do to engage them? Yeah. Now, outside of your book, Urban Apologetics, are there any other resources you'd recommend to somebody who's just just diving into this and their eyes are just like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I got Earn Apologetics, Restoring Black Dignity with the Gospel. One of my sons, a spiritual son, Jerome Gay, has just put out a book called The Whitewashing of Christianity. I have a book out, Woke Church. There's a lot of lot of good look, a lot of good books out there. Once you click on those, it'll give you suggestions. So gotcha. I'll just stuff out there. it'll do yeah. it all for you. Any other encouraging words for, like you said, the hope that there still is because we have a secret weapon. Absolutely. Um, um, you know, I like the verse in uh, Romans 15. Uh, I believe it's 16. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all hope and peace in believing. And and so I pray that even in the, these are challenges that are unique to our time. But let me tell you something. God isn't taken by surprise by absolutely anything we're dealing with. And so as a leader, you should be encouraged. Any level of leadership you're, you're leading in, you should be encouraged that if you're doing things God's way and you're honoring God and you're seeking to grow as a leader and building great people around that's able to help be a part of the support of whatever God's called you to do. Um, just know that in, in Christ we have a ton of hope that things will turn, people will get engaged, people will get changed, and the world will be better because of our commitment to Jesus Christ and how we lead in very, very knowledgeable ways. So, yeah, That's what yeah. I'm talking about. Thank you. For listening in with us, thank you, Dr. Eric Mason, for joining us today. Man, this is kind of conversation we don't always have, um, but we need to be ready for. So we want to thank you for joining us and encourage you to go to our webpage. Again, that's visit1cc.com slash leadership roundtable. You'll be able to see some notes and an outline for what we've talked about and those questions that you can go through with your leaders of how to be best prepared to make an impact And we want to thank you again and invite you, if this has really blessed you or opened your eyes to share it with some others, even whatever platform you're um, listening on or watching on, if you could leave us a review, that would help broaden the spectrum of who can get exposed to our teaching and our podcast as well. So we want to thank you again for joining us, the Leadership Roundtable. We cannot wait to see you again next month. God bless you, fam.
Thank you so much for listening in on today's episode. We are so grateful that you are here. Now, if this has helped you grow and you want to climb your leadership to the next level, don't forget the Climb Conference is coming up in January of 2022 from Bishop Van Moody to Pastor Eric Mason to our very own Dr. Conway Edwards. You don't want to miss this. There'll be so many more. Here's where you go, climbleadership.com. It will be in our show notes as well. We cannot wait to see you there.